Heyo! It's your host, Brooks Evard from Bats Ceramics, coming at you with another episode of Batty Bitches. My guest this episode is ceramic artist Becca Sands, and we talked about and bounced around a few times on the topic of non-believers. And what is a non-believer, if you ask? Well, you're just going to have to listen to find out. So here we go. Let's get batty. Hello? Hi. Hi, Becca. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Sweet. Oh, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on for this episode. It's kind of like a weirdly sad episode, (laughs) but I hope that we can bring some positivity or some sort of outlook with it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Good. I'm so glad. So for everyone listening uh, who don't know you, how would you describe your artistic background? Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) I started ceramics in like 2016 in college. I actually went to school thinking I was going to do um, art education. And then I got there and they were like, oh, yeah, we don't have that major anymore. (laughs) You're an art major now. I guess I'm an art major. (laughs) And I was just like, you know, taking the art classes. I had to actually get signed in this class because it was the most popular art class. And um, I had to basically beg the professor to sign me into it so I could take it. I thought I was going to fail the first day, and here we are. <laughs> That's kind of what happened to me, too. <laughs> like, uh, I had to beg the ceramic chair to let me into the second wheel throwing class, and then I thought I was going to fail. <laughs> right. I literally, the first day at the was like, you're kidding me. I'm supposed to make something out of this ball of clay, <laughs> yeah. ball of gas. Um, and two, so they would like have the same classes happening at the same time. Um, so they were like throwing big things, throwing plates, all this stuff, and I was like, "There's no way that's happening for me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that puts a lot of pressure on you when there's students that have gone through the classes before you and know what you're they're doing and you're like I can't even center (laughs) totally totally and it's it was so like scary but also I found like as I went on it was really helpful because they figured out their own way to do it and they'd be like okay I know they say that but here's how I do it and it was helpful (laughs) yeah that's great so this um, episode topic is called non-believers and my definition of non-believer is someone who doubts our ability to be a successful artist or they make snarky comments or scoff at our success or potential customers who doubt our prices so have you ever dealt with a non-believer before oh my gosh I think everyone deals with non-believers all the time whether we realize it or not <laughs> so yeah, definitely 
Yeah, I I got thinking about it. I was like, you know, non-believers, it's not only in the artist community. I think it's in every job that everyone has. If they're self-employed, whatever you do, there's going to be someone who's going to doubt you in one way or another. Absolutely. I mean, we can all see our own dreams, but it's hard to get other people to, like, see the vision that we have also. Yeah. So have you experienced it from family members or and potential customers and or just across the board, everybody? <laughs> um, I would say my first non-believer like experience was actually in college. I had a professor tell me to just go into teaching instead because you can't you can't be an artist. And the funny thing was, she was my art teacher. Like She was a professor in arts, and she was basically telling me to leave art. And she wasn't just saying it directly to me. She was, like, basically saying it to the whole class. But I'm just like, what are you doing here, then? If you're not here to teach artists, what are you doing? So, Yeah, like, that's, that's sad. Right. So that was my first experience, and I did not take her advice, obviously. Um, what about you? What was your first, like... Oh, I'm trying to think about it. Uh, <laughs> there's been so many. Um, I'm trying to think in the beginning. Uh, I, I want to say it was probably... Uh, like elementary school, my teacher, one of my teachers, we had multiple elementary art teachers. And I never truly liked her. <laughs> I, and being a person who, I guess my face says it, or I just don't give them a certain amount of attention that they want. And it just, I just come off as, being rude or oh you definitely do like me <laughs> I don't know I guess I give off that feeling for people like that but growing up with her as our elementary art teacher and she also started the middle school art teaching she would always like give off these certain comments about me as an artist like you're going to have to push yourself really hard and stuff like that if you want to make this happen. And, like, those, like, little things that, I mean, she was right, but it just felt like it was sort of like she was doubting me in a way. Like, you're going to have to have all of this persistence if you really want it. And I don't think you can pull it off or something like that. And or it was the fact that she was just jealous of me in a way. Like, in my opinion, looking back at it, I was like, not to be like, I'm the best, but I like to toot my own horn sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, my art when I was in fifth grade was at the same level as hers. And she was like in her 40s. <laughs> so maybe in a way she felt threatened by me as an artist but we shouldn't feel threatened by each other we should be like cons bringing 
us all together and hyping each other up. Totally. And that's an intense thing to tell someone who's in fifth grade. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's not, that's more of like a higher level of thinking. You should just be encouraging people to continue to make art at that age. That's yeah. Uh, But it made me feel like I had to prove something to her though. Right. So it kind of made me push even farther into it. And but I did stop going to art club because she was the head of the art club. And I was like, I just, first of all, I don't want to get up earlier than I have to because art club was before school started. Oh, gosh. I didn't want to be around her. <laughs> no, I do not blame you at all. Yeah, I, I want to say that was my first non-believer situation. And then even after graduating um, high school and after graduating college, I saw her in town at a restaurant and she asked me like, how I was doing. And I was like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm a full-time studio artist. And, she, and then she was like, oh, who do you work for? And I'm like, no, no, no. I work for myself. <laughs> right. I'm like, girl... You just, no. <laughs> I love that, though, because it's, I don't know, there, there's some, a good feeling about proving someone wrong about yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. Like, even the other day, I was at the post office, and I live in a very small town, and I guess everybody knows me, but I don't know half the people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at the counter, um, getting a package and this old guy was talking to the post post office employee because small town they don't have anything better to do um and he (laughs) and he's like oh how's your art going in my mind i'm like i have no idea who you are but it's doing great thanks for asking (laughs) (laughs) and then he said something like um I said, oh, it's it's doing good. I'm actually full-time now. And he said, oh, do you, are you a teacher? And I said, no, I sell my work online. And he was, like, kind of taken aback by it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's possible. <laughs> I will say, like, the older people that I talk to, immediately their first thought is, like, oh, where do you sell your work? And I'm, like, on a website. <laughs> Not yeah. in a gallery. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, people of a certain generation are always thinking, like, artists have to be in galleries, they have to be in shows, they have to be in stores, like, physical stores. But no, today's age is completely different. Totally, totally different. Yeah, so have you experienced uh, negative comments from your family? No, my family's been pretty supportive. They definitely... It took them a little bit to, like, get to see that I could do it. Um, So I originally, when I graduated from college, I was like, I was even a non-believer. I was like, I can't make it full-time as an artist. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I want to do in art. Like, maybe museum. I don't know. And I graduated in 2019. So I got a job with um, a YMCA. I taught like pottery classes over the summer at a camp, but then it came time to finding another job. So they offered 
a school age position. So it was like before. So I did that, you know, March, 2020 hit and I got laid off with the rest of the world. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? (laughs) So I, as soon as everything was shutting down, I was like, I'm going to order a wheel. I hadn't even had my own wheel yet at that point. I was renting. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to go to the studio. So I'm going to buy. I'm just going to make pots. I got nothing else to do. The world's shutting down. I'm just going to. And we'll see how it goes. And when I started that, I started sharing online and stuff and started growing. And I ordered underglazes for the first time, which really, you know, on my Instagram journey and my artistic journey also. And um, then when everything was not normal, but people were going back to work, my parents were like, all right, find a job. And I was like, but I'm doing, I'm doing this, like I'm doing good. I, w- I just want to do this. And they were like, you got to find a job. So <laughs> I found a job at a, um, a gallery. And in the interview, they were like, oh, because of everything, we can only pay $11 an hour right now. And at that time, I was like, well, I need job. They're telling me I need a job. So I guess $11, they're telling me that it'll be more after. <laughs> so I start working there, doing that for a little bit. And I'm realizing that I'm just wasting my time there. <laughs> Completely wasting my time. I'm like, I could have made three mugs in this time that I've been here. Because it was only like... It was less than 16 hours a week also. Like, it was not a lot of time. So I basically went to my parents and I was like, this is not working. And they were like, okay, we see, like, I had had some successful sales in between my time when I started there. And, you know, it was just a toxic job in general. And they were like, we see that you're doing better. Yeah, give it a try. Because I was still living at home. I had that ability to try that. And then, I don't know, it probably took a year after that for them to be like, oh, okay, like, this is, this is going to work. So there was some non-believery in there, but. Yeah, I think the same happened with my family. They've always been supportive. I mean, my parents bought me my first wheel. My dad helped me set up my kiln. Um, Yeah, they've always been like, oh, you have a talent and you we should let you thrive in it but when i first started contemplating going full time with pottery they were very hesitant about it i it was because they were worried about me they i feel like parents are always like they want us to do our best and they don't want to see us fail. But in a way, we have to fail on our own to learn and to grow as people. Totally. So even if you're a parent out there and your um, person comes up to you and, and says, I want to do this, just let be like, totally do it and <laughs> let them fail. <laughs> right. I mean, we can't because- learn without failing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's like a huge thing in ceramics because without our failures, we'll never grow at with our technique, with our business. It's 
totally. it's like a universal thing failure is good right and I know I had so much privilege with my family being supportive and living at home and not having a lot of bills like I know I had that privilege of like being able to take the leap and give it a try um but yeah it's I agree. scary no matter what yeah I've had the same so much privilege and I'm so grateful for everything that my parents have given me and the fact that my dad owns our apartment building so I'm able to have a kiln in the basement like it's I wouldn't have what I have without them and I'm so grateful but looking back um my mom and my sister were the ones who were majority like worry warts for me <laughs> um to the point where like my sister would send me job applications through text message like oh this person's hiring in town like you could work four hours in this store and then work another six hours in your studio or whatever <laughs> I'm like do you know how long pottery takes like those four hours like you said you could have been making pots when you worked at that job literally and it's like love you thank you for caring yeah but no <laughs> yeah exactly I would just text her back and be like, I'm good, but thanks. <laughs> uh -oh. Yeah, it was, it was all out of love, but it kind of got annoying after like the fifth job application. You're like, I'm going to block your number now. <laughs> <laughs> I never blocked her, but no. she just started to get the hint when I started showing that I was bringing in a nice amount of money to be able to support me and my fiance and still be happy and not have to worry about uh taking pennies like totally I was pleased with myself and I still am it's like a super surreal feeling to be able to sell my work online and have a successful business and even be like like yesterday I was listening to the Wheel Talk podcast and they they talked about my podcast and me and I was like oh my god I know I, I saw you share that and I was like that's so cool yeah it was I still am in awe over it it's a very humbling feeling I, I'm still like so giddy about it <laughs> yeah so um a lot of people want to know because so many people go through the same issues as the non-believer topic they want to know how can we approach these people in a positive way like do you have any advice to to deal with non-believers yeah either family or friends or customers whatever um it's tough i I feel like I just have like the same kind of idea of like just smile and like nod and then just do whatever I want to do separate from that. I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> I appreciate when people care, but um yeah. Like this this is my life and I want to be happy in my life. Totally. I yeah, I think uh we just got to show them up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Prove them wrong. That's like really the only 
way to get them to shut up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's how I did mine. I was like, I proved to them how successful I can be. And yeah, I think the one thing that is still has to get out and and grow in their minds is my time management because I'm self-employed and I'm at home. I can't just drop everything and go places. Like today, my parents asked me to go out to lunch with them. (laughs) I'm like eating my lunch already. And then I have to do this podcast with you. Right. And I'm like, you should have texted me like yesterday and we should have made plans. Right. I can't just stop everything. Even though I worked at home, I, I can't. I appreciate it. Like, thank you. You would have bought me my lunch. But, <laughs> but I, I can't go now. And yeah, and don't come over because I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> I know the the time management part of it is really difficult and I I like definitely I feel like I'm working all the time but then also I am a sucker if my friend is like hey want to get lunch tomorrow of course I want to get lunch tomorrow like girl like gotta eat (laughs) yeah I'm like I will work later at the night I will get up early tomorrow morning whatever I can do because like that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this to be in charge of my own schedule and my own life and be able to enjoy it with the people around me so yeah that's a great point I still struggle with my time management also uh, but I definitely would rather know 24 hours in advance oh yeah (laughs) if I I have to go out I don't know if you've seen that like the TikTok where it's like I'm all with going with the flow but like what time does the flow start like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> None of us do. No. <laughs> yeah, but it is important to take time out of your schedule and go hang out with your friends and family because that time can be so beneficial for our minds just to get out of work mode. Totally. And burnout is so real. And I, do everything I can to avoid it at all costs because that would cost me more if I burn myself out than taking an afternoon to go enjoy myself. True. Yeah. Whenever I feel burnout starting to happen, I kind of tell myself internally, I'm like, oh no, I guess you're going to have to take tomorrow off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It usually happens. Like today, I'm taking today off to record this podcast with you, do a few house chores, and then just do pretty much nothing and enjoy the weather. Mostly because my wrist was hurting so bad yesterday. Like my fingers were literally going numb while I was painting. Oh, and yeah, yeah. So internally, I was like, "You gotta take a break." Like, totally. Going to work tomorrow. <laughs> So yeah, here I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I totally feel that with the wrist issues and everything. It's like, it's not something you want to mess around with. And if they need a break, they need a break. <laughs> yeah. Do you what? Do you do any um like wrist exercises or stuff? Because I'm trying to figure out what to do for mine, and it just I, seems like nothing's working. Yeah. Um. I remember if I didn't do them or not um 
but I the thing that really helped me when my wrists get really bad is I got like braces to sleep in at night because I think I bend my wrists while I'm sleeping too which is another same yeah they're really uncomfortable like rods in them to keep your wrists straight while you're sleeping but they do help that's interesting yeah yeah, I feel like I would need that. I I definitely curl my wrists up into my chest when mm-hmm. I sleep, and then I wake up with numb hands. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. So we're in, but but I thought we can't wear wristbands um for too long though. Oh, that's have, what I've been told. I have no idea. But when you wake up, do, does your wrist like feel so much better? Oh yeah, definitely. And like I, guess I, I just need to get a different through. one. I can feel it all throughout the day too. That they feel better. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I might just have to invest in a different wrist, um, like brace, like the one that you have. Yeah. Because the one I have now is it just one of those tight ones that makes your hand feel super tight. Oh yeah. And then over yeah, over time it feels like my hands being pinched and. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do those ones. This one's better. I'll, I got, think I got it at Walgreens or something. Yeah, I know my fiancé has a couple. I'll just steal his. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, back to our topic. Kind of sidebar <laughs> there. <laughs> so, about the uh, customers who are non-believers. I feel like every artist has come up with a person that's like oh I would never spend that much money on that or would you give me a discount or do you, are you gonna have a sale soon like blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> so um what do you do with comments such as that so the first the first big comment I got like that maybe it was just because it was in person that it stung the most I was doing a sale um, at the studio that I teach at and they, most of the women there are older. Like I'm definitely the youngest one there. And most of them have been doing pottery and selling their work in galleries or at markets and all these things. And I started online and that's where I've continued. So this was my first market. I was trying to price everything and I wanted to keep it kind of even with what I was selling my work with online because I was inviting people who follow me on Instagram and stuff. I'm like, this is what I value my work at. So I need to keep it to be the same in person. But I was worried because I knew my prices were going to be higher than some of the women who were there. And that was very nerve wracking for me because in my mind at that point, they were all so much more experienced than I was. And I was like, I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stick with what prices I've been doing. And I had a guy come up to my table and he picked up one of my pieces and he goes, $60 right to my face. I was like, yep. He was like, why? And I was like, I took a lot of time to make that. <laughs> and then he he asked me why? Yeah. 
Why not? Like, like, you don't have to buy it. <laughs> right? Uh. Um, but, like, my work is different from the other ladies there. Like, they throw everything and they glaze it. There's not a lot of surface decoration on them. So they're able to do things quicker. Whereas that he picked up had like probably 10 underglaze colors on it. I, it took the time to paint it and carve it and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's, it is that much. It took me a while, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Oh, yeah. I've gotten a many of those comments. Um, I haven't gotten many online. No. I see a lot of artists get them in the comments, and it's just it, whenever we get those comments, it's definitely from people who don't fully understand our craft, who have totally. never done it before themselves, who don't, they're not collectors. They, yeah, they just usually buy their stuff from a big box store and get it mass produced and fast paced and yeah they just don't understand right. so it's it's sad but it's our reality and we just have to roll the punches and we just have to let those comments slide off our back like Completely. we know our worth yeah we definitely know our worth as artists i would I doubt my prices sometimes. I mean, it's a part of my imposter syndrome. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but in my experience selling at vendor shows, I had a woman, I had um, a couple of my antler handle mugs. And at the time, they were only $50. This was years ago. Yeah, that's a steal. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> And that was my most expensive piece. That's usually is my most expensive piece that I bring to a vendor show because I know I can't sell anything over $50 in person. Like that's what I've learned over time. So at that time, um, she said, is this $50 for two? And I said, no, that's individual prices. And she was like, oh no, I would never. I was like, okay. Bye. Cool. You don't have to. <laughs> right? Oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> I just, I, I wish that people would not even say anything at all. Like, right. If they are questioning an, an artist who has built this piece of art completely from their hands, from their heart, then don't even question it. Like, Totally. Yeah. I don't question other people's prices. I just, I'm like, okay, that's what they want for it. And that's what I'm going to pay for it. Right. Or, you know, it's totally okay to be like, I appreciate this so much. It's just out of my budget right now. And yeah. And that's a totally acceptable thing to, you know, think about. <laughs> yeah. My my family they're always like oh that's so expensive and I'm like no 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 it's just out of your budget right. and you are comparing me to like the dollar store so don't do that <laughs> I when I 
times I think about big box stores or you know big big companies they just make up a price they just make it up it did not cost them that much to make that and they are huge and they're gonna sell a million of them and they're gonna be fine yeah we're just one person you know we're just trying to live and if we have to deal with capitalism like we gotta make money to live (laughs) just like anyone else Exactly. And the biggest thing for me when I purchase from another small business, I know where that money's going. I know it's going towards their food bill, towards their electric bill, like for them as a person to live, to continue living. And then I know that that money is going to go back into um, recirculated into their local stores where they shop for small business. So I think having a small business right now is so beneficial for the economy and for the people, um, not necessarily like the government and the big box stores. It's more for we are being smart with our money nowadays. Well, in my opinion, I feel like we are putting our money towards things that are more beneficial for us as for our lives right yeah and I feel like most people who own small businesses they they think to purchase from small businesses first before going somewhere else so it just continues the cycle Mm -hmm. because we know what has what I'm having lots of words what it took to get the end product because we understand what it took to get there because we're also a small business so we know the hustle we understand and we're more prone to be okay with people's prices because we've been there we've done that we know exactly what has happened to get there so it's just good overall I think (laughs) yeah and I think one of the um so my brother when I was like I don't know. I wasn't just starting. I was starting to raise my prices. I was starting to get better. Um, And he was like, it's good that you're doing that and that you're showing every part of your process. Because I really do think because I share so much of like the behind the scenes and how I'm making everything, people aren't questioning what goes into it. They know how much time and energy each piece is taking so they understand where that price is coming from so i think sharing all those things online has helped me not get too many people um complain about my pricing or question it in that way that's a really good point yeah i agree i feel like if we show our process more often than not people will be more prone to want to buy it from us because they saw how it was made and they feel a connection to it. But then people love the nitty gritty background stuff. Like they love knowing all of the details, not only of the piece, but of like, it's weird, but people like to know you as a person and your life at the same time. Like people want to connect with you on the same level as we're all people. 
Right. And I always feel weird, like, sharing those things. And then usually I'll, like, post something and then I'll be like, no, that's weird. I'm going to delete it. And I delete it. And But, like, I'm literally someone who watches people on YouTube vlog just their daily life. Like, I know that people like seeing just what other people do. But in my mind, I'm like, but what I do isn't interesting. And that's just the imposter syndrome and, you know, self-doubt and all those good things that we all deal with. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but your life could be so interesting to someone else. Totally. So we never know. I mean, as long as you're not putting like, I don't know, things that you wouldn't show your mom. (laughs) Oh my gosh, my mom is my biggest fan. She is on everything. Like, if I post a story, she watches it a minute later, so... So does my mom. (laughs) I would never post something that my mom wouldn't be able to see. (laughs) (laughs) But then, um, sometimes I post something and I'm like, oh, mom's gonna do that. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah, or she'll... We'll talk the, like, next day or something and she'll bring it up she's like you shouldn't swear as much on your business page <laughs> you're like thanks mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's just moms <laughs> yes totally it's like we're we're adults now sometimes. yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> so I talked to Taylor from Pottery Witch in the last episode, and she brought up a story that when a customer was asking her her prices, um, she said, well, have you ever taken a pottery class? And the people were like, no. And then she had someone who actually said yes. And then they understood her prices and they were like, oh, my God, that was so frustrating to throw on the wheel for the first time and all that time and effort that you have to put into one piece it's amazing now I understand your price points and I understand how long it's going to take you for a full batch and and have you ever had someone a customer say something like oh, I've done sculpture before, or I took this class, or I know someone who can make this for me. I'll get it from them. As if they're saying, I can do it too, or I'm not going to buy it from you because your prices are too expensive. Like, Taylor didn't have that happen, but this is my scenario. has happened to me. Have you ever had that happen? No, I haven't. Um, I definitely have had people like tag a friend in my posts, like either on Instagram or TikTok being like, oh, we should do this, which like I do get excited when I inspire people in that way. Like I want everyone to try pottery and make it. Um, And I have had some people who have, you know, have been messaging me for, you know, probably a year at this point now. They're like, oh, I'm taking my first pottery class. And then they'll comment on my pieces now and they'll be like, I tried this process and it was really hard and it makes me respect what you do so much more because it's not easy as you make it look, you know? Yeah. Um, But no, I haven't had someone say that they can do it on their own. That's, that's intense. 
Yeah. Uh, it was. <laughs> and rude. It was a. Yeah, it was a, a bit rude. I mean, it wasn't to me. It was to my mom. She was bragging about me, and um, the person who she was bragging to said, "Oh no, I I can get it from this person for this amount of money instead." And she was like, "Oh, okay." And then she told me, and I was like, "Fine." I didn't want to sell to her anyway. <laughs> it's funny because it's like we're not we're not like Target versus Walmart where you have a coupon for Walmart and you can get it for cheaper. Like we're individual people. And even if someone tries to make something exactly the same as one of us, it's not going to be the same. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the beauty of it. Totally. Um, Another thing that takes me off from that, Um, Just people thinking that they can pull it off. I mean, I'm sure they could pull it off if they put in the same amount of effort and time that I have. Um, But if they go to, like, paint your own pot or something and they try it for the first time, they aren't getting the fact, like, that paint your own pot has invested in all those glazes for that business, um, the clay, all the supplies that you are using in that moment. If you were on your own, as we are, all those supplies came out of our own pocket. Like, we might have money stored away for our business, but especially today, um, supply prices are going through the roof. And I'm like, have you spent $500 on glazes last week? Because I did. So stop complaining about my prices. <laughs> Right. It is so crazy to, like, remember how much money and time that is going into everything. And when you are at something like that, you have someone holding your hand through the whole process. Mm -hmm. What you need to do. Been developing these skills. it's not as easy as it may seem at times yeah my sister did a paint your own pot a couple months ago and I think she was trying to paint like a lion or something or a tiger (laughs) I just texted her back and I said you have fun with that (laughs) oh gosh that's a that's a big feat. I know. I, I don't. You are so good at realistic things. That is not my cup of tea. I would be scared to go in and just try to paint a lion without all the yeah the references um, and yeah. I that's why I told her good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know how hard it is. It's it's not easy to paint realism. It definitely has taken me years of practice. I mean, I this did not happen overnight for me. <laughs> no. And you can tell that it it has taken you that time. You can tell in the pieces that it's not just someone who did it on a whim. There's a lot of yeah, thought behind it. And the same with yours, too. I don't think I would have the patience to do the line work that you do and then all the inlay and the graffito. I 
I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I would like to think that I am an expressive artistic technique where I just do it on a whim kind of. And if it comes out the way I'm envisioning it, then cool. But if it doesn't, then I guess that's still cool too. Honestly, that's how I. I just pick a pot and I see what I'm thinking and I just go and that's great. <laughs> it's, it's better for my mental health. Way. <laughs> Do you ever like schedule it out though? Like on paper? Like the drawings? Yeah. No, not really. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I started drawing, like, these designs since, like, high school, and the first time I put it on a pot was in my first ceramics class. We had to throw an eight-inch bowl, and we had to put some sort of surface decoration on it, and he taught us Graffito and Mishima, and I was like, cool, I think I'm going to like this, and that's what I did on my first bowl, and I just kept going. And look so, at you now. <laughs> yeah. I like, I don't even like fully measure out the, my little quadrants or eighths that I make. I just eyeball it. And that's, yeah. that's the thing for me though. Is like, I'm not trying to make a perfect pot. I'm just a person who likes to, to draw on pots and, you know, I don't want it to look too perfect. A machine didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've been trying to make my work perfect and at the same time trying to tell myself, like, it's it's fine. Just let it go. <laughs> yes, I, I am trying to not be a perfectionist, always. Yeah, when I was in college, when I was just doing painting, I was such a tight painter, like, having to have it, like, 100% smooth, realistic, like no brush strokes. And then my, one of my professors in senior year, he was like, you need to loosen up because you're way too in your head about this. And once I started just letting the paint do what it's meant to do on the canvas or whatever I was painting on, it opened up such a, like a, like the window wasn't cloudy anymore. It was like a clean windexed window. Yeah. <laughs> and is... I could see the artwork for like the medium for what it's supposed to be in my vision, in my head, whatever, what I've always wanted it to look like. And then since then, I'm like, I feel so freeing when I paint now because. I want the paint to do what the paint is meant to do. And I want to, I'm the boss for the paint. But then yeah. again, the paint is also the boss to me. <laughs> that is so funny because when I took paint, my school, it was art, art. So I had to concentrate in a few different mediums. So I did ceramics, sculpture, and painting. I took multiple classes of those and in painting I only wanted that it wasn't so specific and it was more like broader stroke and 
use a palette knife for. I mean, <laughs> the palette knife queen, like from his mouth, he called me that. So <laughs> I I was the one who caught up in the little things. I was like, I'll just put a big swat. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I I wish I was that way when I first started. I feel like I would have been leaps and bounds to in the future if I didn't if I wasn't so tight. But we live and learn. Yeah. Painting is so hard too. I have not painted yeah. since that class probably. Well, you, you kinda still paint when you do your gradients. Yes. Yeah. I paint <laughs> in a very different way. Yeah, but it's still painting. But... Oh, yeah. I'm constantly yeah. painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's get into some of these listener questions. Yeah. Um, the first one is, how do we approach responding to unsolicited advice? And I think that they mean unsolicited advice from either customers or family, or even other artists? Like, how how do you approach unsolicited advice? I am very much a people pleaser. So, I just say thank you, and then I decide to take the advice or not. And I, I just try not to fight it, because everyone has their own opinion, and it gets like deal with everyone's advice. Yeah. Um if I get unsolicited advice from a direct message on Instagram or Facebook, I just ignore it. <laughs> like I, I don't I even want to Yeah, I don't even want to think about it. No, my <laughs> favorite my favorite is um Melanie Swell Ceramics. Every time she like posts something that happens, she she's definitely one to show all the nitty gritty. Like if something explodes in the kiln or like she'll she'll share it and she'll post a story and stuff and then she'll be like not looking for advice. I'm like, yes, we don't need the advice. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes yeah, we, we do, but <laughs> true, yeah. Um, that's another thing. I am one to give advice, even if people, well, that's unsolicited advice, if people aren't asking for it, but in a technique base of how to make your artwork, not like pricing or you should be doing this in a certain way for your business or whatever. Um, it's more of I see something that could be improved in their work and I want to tell them so bad and it just festers in my mind and I know they're probably not going to want to hear it from me <laughs> but there has been an instance when I did message someone and I said hey I just want to let you know um be careful with your handle attachment they look super thin in this one area and your mug body is very large um maybe add a little bit more clay around that area and they ignored me which is fine i totally get it i i shouldn't have messaged them <laughs> but i was so in my own head i'm like oh my god if those crack i'm gonna feel so bad for them i have to tell them <laughs> right yeah so 
I have to take a step back sometimes in for myself and be like, no, it's their journey. Let them fail if they want to fail. It's not my work. It's their work. Just let it go, Brooke. Just let it go. <laughs> totally. And I, I teach classes. So if I like see one of my students doing something like obviously my first job is to make sure they're doing like the best they can, but there's some things that are aesthetic choices. And I'm like, do you want advice on what I recommend for this? Or do you like it the way it is? And I let them kind of decide if they are open to hearing the advice at that point in time, or if they're, you know, happy with what they're doing. Obviously, if I think something's going to crack and fall off, I'm like, all right, you got to do something with this. But if it's something that's not going to make or break the piece, I want them to like be ready for any advice. I don't want to, I don't want to break anyone's heart if I tell them that something looks weird, you know? True. Yeah. Um, If I was a teacher in that predicament, I would just let them do whatever they wanted. And if it was going to break off, I would still put it in the kiln. And then after it comes out of the kiln, then I would tell them why it broke. (laughs) Oh, yes. I mean, there are some times where you got to do that. But then there are other times where I'm there sitting there with vinegar trying to fix their piece because I know how much time they spend on it. But that's that's just me being a people pleaser and being emotional and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I have the patience to do this. (laughs) I know it's crazy sometimes, but. Yeah, but you don't want to like, how old are your students? Oh, there, some of them could be my mom, some of them could be my grandma, some of them oh. are the same age as me, so. Yeah, you're definitely a, definitely a people pleaser, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. They're just, this one instance, like, she's just such a sweet lady, and she was so excited about it, and then I saw that it was starting to crack, so... Me and the studio owner were trying to, like, baby it in every way possible. (laughs) And, like, halfway through, she was like, we should have just let it crack. I was like, I know. (laughs) Yeah, you should. But it still cracked, so (laughs) it didn't really help. It still cracked. (laughs) (laughs) But I tried. Yeah. The whole time you were talking about um, that you were a teacher, I was imagining, like, elementary school kids. After school, and I'm like, just let it crack. (laughs) Oh no, I, I did my time with the children. Now I am not with them anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. (laughs) It was a lot. So, (laughs) no, I have a really good group of students. So lucky. Do you ever get a certain um, what's like emotional uh? feeling or whatever from your older students knowing that you're younger than them do they ever like um give off this vibe like oh I'm older than you so I should know how to do this or something yes my first class I had like a few women who like all knew each other and they Literally at one point in time, they're like, we're like kindergartners. We don't even listen to you. And I was like, cool. (laughs) 
I feel like I would teach them something and then like they would come in the next week and say exactly what I said and then they'd be like I learned it on YouTube and I was like I'm glad you learned it 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 does hurt my feelings a little bit because it's verbatim what I told you last week but yeah okay (laughs) so or like I have had like the common like I could be your mom or whatever and it's like okay but I'm I'm the teacher here so it's a weird dynamic for sure yeah I would get that I mean I never taught so kudos to you for being a teacher I don't think I'd be able to pull it off in a nice way (laughs) (laughs) well I kind Um, of fell into it um just like I fell into going full-time the studio owner was like do you want to teach and I was like yeah I'd love to teach some kids classes and she's like I was talking about adult classes and I was like oh are you sure and at this point I'm like 22 maybe 21 and I was like you want me to teach adults like are you are you sure about that but she she believed in me and I'm a few years in now so I'm doing all right I guess (laughs) yeah that's great as long as you're having fun and and your students are having fun and showing progress and then that's good yeah I have some students who have been with me from my first class and it's really cool to see how far they've grown um and it's honestly just good for me to get out of my own studio and spend time with other people and talk to other people about pottery like in person um and yeah, I feel like I'm constantly was, learning yeah I think a, a community studios definitely have that um constant learning um like bouncing back and forth ideas and creativity it's kind of lonely being by yourself and just here all by myself. It can be super lonely sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it can be. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I need more social interaction. <laughs> Me, you, and every other potter in the world, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Back to the unsolicited advice. We're really good at getting off topic. Yeah, we are very good at that. (laughs) I mean, you know, such is life. (laughs) So I think it's beneficial to listen to other artists' advice. I mean, it depends on how it comes off, I I guess. Um, To me, I love getting advice from other artists and from other people. I think that's just the Taurus in me. I'm always asking for other people's opinions on things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can be beneficial to help you grow your technique. So, yeah, I think just taking taking the advice with a grain of salt depends on how it's coming off, depends on who it's coming from. Um, Yeah, just let it pour out of you I guess (laughs) totally I mean I was having kiln issues at one point and um who does like the wheel talk podcast she she was like 
I think this is what's happening. And she's like sent me a whole kiln schedule and she's like, sorry if that came off bad. And I was like, no, I, I, I need the help right now. Like I so appreciate it. So yeah. there's definitely like a time and a place for, you know, giving advice and sometimes Definitely. it's so helpful and I wouldn't know what I know now if it weren't for people giving me advice or teaching me things yeah I also think yeah definitely I also think that a lot of people are afraid to ask for advice they're afraid to either be ignored because social media can do that sometimes or they're just afraid of feeling like their question is dumb in a way but we're all out here to help each other. I feel like the ceramics community is very open and loving in that way. So if you guys have advice out there who are listening, do not hesitate to ask because it can, you can learn so much from another artist, in my opinion. Completely. And yeah. like, I don't know. It's, if you can't, if you don't feel like the people that you're, following in like pottery or like talking to or approachable in that way like yes there are some people who like have FAQs and like definitely read that but I have some people I had someone message me last week and they're like oh sorry I didn't realize you had so many followers like never mind and I was like no it's okay like I can still answer your question like I I want to help you just like I want to help everyone yeah same I I feel like the only, like you said, the, the FAQs, if you're not reading my facts and your question is on my facts, then yeah, I'm going to get a little teed off because I took time out to produce my facts page. So please read it. Right, <laughs> um, right. But if it's a question about like something's going wrong in my kiln or how do you do this certain technique or my handles are popping off, I need help, like, whatever the issue is. I feel like I would definitely respond if I feel like I, if the question isn't something that is obvious or, or something like, I don't know, like, if I can give you advice to help you become a better artist, then I'll do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so our next listener question, which is a big one, um, I wrote down like a paragraph. That second page of my notes that I sent you. Oh yeah. Literally what this question is. Yeah, too thick. Um I feel like I should just read the whole thing. I'll let you answer the question first, and then I'll read my paragraph. (laughs) So the question is, how can we change our culture so people are willing to pay a fair cost for our work? It's a loaded (laughs) question. It is such a loaded question. That's why I wrote a paragraph. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I do think that like personally me sharing my process just has helped a ton um and just like showing people like what's happening behind the scenes and it's hard to 
do that? I don't know. How do you make the world more empathetic? That's that's what this question is. I don't know. Pretty much. You know, like trying to remind people that we're just one person. Yeah. You know, there's there's always going to be people who are unhappy for one reason or another. So I just try to focus on the people who are supportive and, you know, are willing to or, you know, even some people who know that they can't afford something. They're like, I'm still here and I'm going to still cheer you on. And, you know, maybe someday I'll be able to support you financially. Yeah, Yeah, I love those people. And, like, that still helps. Having the people respond to your stories or comment on your posts or share, like, all those little things, like, they may not seem like a lot, but they help in so many ways um, that aren't just financially helping. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely beneficial for our minds (laughs) to see that those people are supporting us, even in those little tiny ways of liking or sharing our posts. It's those people who are pushing our accounts out there for us. Right. And that is like amazing. Right. Yeah. So I don't I don't sorry. Like the the cost part of it, you know, like obviously I want people to be able to support themselves first before paying for my work. But if it's someone who isn't in a financial strain and they still don't appreciate, like appreciate what I do and how much it costs to make it happen, then I don't know if I want them as a customer anyway. Yeah. Same. I want someone who cares about it and who genuinely cares about me and what I do and appreciates it for what it's worth, no matter the cost. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if those type of people, the people who are like, Oh, I've tried so many times and I just like can't get it. And I'm going to give up now because I just, I just can't do it. And I was like, well, then it's not meant to be yours. Then I'm sorry. Yeah. And honestly, like I understand like those frustrations but that message just hurts more than it helps the situation it It really does like those are the messages that I'm like all right I'm gonna I'm gonna cry a little bit now like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I I wish I could make a million pots and have one for every single person who wants one but I'm only one person and I only have two hands and this is what I was able to make and I thought it was good enough, but, you know, we can never please everyone. Yep. Yeah. Um. Do you remember my owls restock in January? How um things, like, broke and stuff and glaze stuck to my kiln shelves? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so I was already, like, an emotional wreck from that. And then I had my restock and I tried this new thing on my Squarespace website where I made all my listings viewable, but I made them in zero stock. 
So it said sold out, but you could still see the picture, see the listing, see how much money they cost. And then when my restock dropped, I had to go in and put one in stock for every single listing. That's how and I do it. Yeah, but I only gave myself five minutes. Oh, no, I give myself like two hours because I get so stressed <laughs> and anxious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I was doing the one in stock um, and then everything went live and half of the mugs still said out of stock because I wasn't fast enough to put a one instead of a zero. And then I got a message on Facebook she wrote up this long rant about how she'll never support oh. me. She'll support other talented artists who have pieces in their shops at all times and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm, and it got to me so bad because I was already an emotional wreck from my glazes sticking to my kiln shelves. Then that happened with my restock. And then this woman messaged me that like, Oh my god, I had it. I had it. I messaged her back. I shouldn't have. And I said, Wow, way to make me feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, and then I blocked her. Yeah, but I mean, if you don't have something nice to say, you just shouldn't say anything at all. Exactly. That's when you have a person that you vent to. You know, you call your mom and you're like, Oh, I'm so mad. I didn't get the piece I wanted. We all have been through that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we, you know, being a small business, supporting other small businesses, you know how quickly people's work sells out? It's tough for us to get pieces too, but there's no easy way to do it to please everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said earlier, if you could make a thousand pieces, then you would and I would too but we just can't no it's it's impossible yeah and if we did then those pieces wouldn't be as good as our other pieces and then they'll still complain they'll be like oh this isn't as good as that piece and blah, blah, blah. I was like, <laughs> well you wanted a thousand mugs and this is what you're doing yeah <laughs> I know and then I have people asking for like pre-orders and stuff and that's not something I do because I personally can't handle that pressure. Um, yes. I've been, tough. Yeah, it is tough. I've been contemplating doing a pre-order of my Ladybug mugs because I really do enjoy making them. And they don't take a long, long time. I mean, I think roughly 35 minutes to paint them and then 30 minutes to sculpt and slip trail the legs and antenna. But I have been contemplating on making that, but it probably won't be till next year because I still have to think. About it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if I'll ever do a pre-order. They scare me. Yeah, it's totally fine if you don't want to. I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to think of when I move. Um, uh, when I buy a house someday, I'm going to have like maybe a full month to two months, maybe even three months of not having a studio up and running. So I need money coming in. Totally. So that pre-order will sustain me until I have my studio up and running. And then I produce the pre-order months. Yeah. 
unrelated, but still kind of related. Um, Melanie from Swell, she posted that she squirrels away like two pieces from every kiln load to save for holiday rush. And I just think that's such a good idea to like for something like that. If you're moving, if you know that you're gonna have a busy time or something to yeah. like have a few pieces like stored away. Yeah, that is very, very good advice. I've never I thought started, about that before. <laughs> yeah, I started doing it in January. Um, not like finished pieces. Well, in a way, yes. I started saving up like cheaper faster made works um for a consignment shop in town that I sell at and vendor shows just to have stock building up um but now this year I started just building up my bisqueware so I have extra pieces if I have extra space in my kiln for a glaze firing I'll just glaze an extra piece or two and then throw it in that same kiln load so I've been producing work that I know I can sell later in the year, like in my fall restock or my Yule restock or even for the vendor shows. So, yeah, it's been pretty good. I got to get. I'm, I'm still learning. I mean, we're all still learning, but oh, I yeah. feel like I still feel like a newbie at every <laughs> business yeah. part of it. Yeah, it never feels like you're doing enough. No. Um, yeah, it's, and then it's so much pressure. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, I think being a self-employed artist is, like, amazing on its own, and then it comes with so much heartache. <laughs> totally. But it's so fulfilling as a, like, human being, though. That's my opinion. Yes. I that this is what you know. You know, my stress and anxieties are myself, whereas in my jobs before, they were coming from other people and, like, totally out of my control. Um, and it's not a good feeling. No. <laughs> no, if we can control our lives, then Yes. <laughs> do it <laughs> totally so let me get into my paragraph that we talked about oh yeah <laughs> okay i'm gonna reread the question because it's been a bit yep okay <laughs> how can we change our culture so people are willing to pay a fair cost for our work all right so i believe this stems from the education system Art classes are usually put on the back burner. If art classes were given the same amount of money as sports, then maybe people wouldn't think that the art's as unimportant. I also believe with the fast-paced lifestyle, most things are at arm's reach. They're easy to find, easy to get from a big box store, etc. If things never became so mass-produced, then people wouldn't think negatively about handmade work takes longer to produce and it's more expensive. Unfortunately, I don't see this going away. Um, more people should do trade schools than college for than a desk job. Um, 
you'll just learn more and you'll get yourself in there like a better paying job in my opinion um if we turn back to the original times of handmade goods then there wouldn't be competition with big box stores um and then maybe handmade good prices will go down because there'll be more people producing handmade goods um to a more affordable price for everyone but then this could be argumented because there's always been a different level of prices for different work. So it all depends on the system. But unfortunately, I don't see it really changing much. Um, it's kind of just the way you have to be raised on uh, handmade work is going to take longer and it's going to be more expensive in the long run because it's literally coming from a person's hands and their soul and their passion love creativity yeah so we'll see what happens right I think as artists we um we value handmade work because we see what goes into it and it takes having that experience to really appreciate it or to really think about it sometimes yes I agree um so coming to the end uh where can people find you online becca on instagram i am simply sans underscore ceramics and on tiktok too i believe and then my website is simply ceramics.com yeah you can find me all the places <laughs> all over the place yeah <laughs> all right well thank you so much for being here and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and yeah, I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Thank you, Becca. I appreciate <laughs> it. Of course. We'll talk to you later. Yes, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Thanks for listening. To conclude this episode, I'd like to say that even though things may be moving fast, or not fast enough for some people, and the system may be out to get us. It's important to look at your past work, see how far you've come, and when pricing your work, add an extra $5. If people ask why, say, Brooke said so. <laughs> and with that, I bid you a farewell, and stay baddie, bitches. <laughs>